You know, God, as, as we heard, and in the prophetic, and is the prophetic word that we heard this morning, um, there, God is doing things in this body. And God has been, a number of you, I've been hearing a, a, a big surge of healing. We've been talking about benefits, and there's been a big surge in the healing, people laying hold of healing. And, and I'm not just talking physical healing. I had on my heart this morning, and I'm telling you that if you have struggled in an area of wholeness, of being whole, if you have struggled in an area where, where you are str- struggling with an addiction of sorts, or, you str- or you had an, uh, you've had a, uh, a depression, or whatever it is, in the, you know, I'm telling you that you can be free. And you can lay hold of the wholeness of God. Okay? You can lay hold of the wholeness of God because I believe that's a word for you this morning. But as I said, there's been, there's been a, a lot of healing that's been happening. And so um, anyhow, I wanted to share or, or briefly take a, a few minutes for this to, to happen. I don't know. I know, is, I know Elizabeth is here this morning. I don't know if she... Elizabeth, do you want to come up? Or you want to come up and share what happened? How do you feel? If you don't have to, or your, 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 your mom and mom-in-law can do it if you would like. So I don't want to put you on the spot. You want to come up? That's awesome. Okay. You guys have to bear with me because... Um, not easy to talk about. Do you want me to hold this for you? Um, some of you know that I have four girls, and my youngest are two and a half and one. My baby just turned one on Thursday. <laughs> and on Friday, I almost lost her. <laughs> but God... God spoke to me, and he said, the house is too quiet, go find Hallie. And I obeyed. And um, somehow our back door had been left open. I don't know how, I don't know. And I honestly, I was led straight to the back door. Our house is big, and it's kind of cut up, so I could have gone any direction to find my baby and I went straight to the back door and found that it was open and she was floating in our koi pond and I don't even know I know that when she fell in she must have gone in face first but when I found her she was face up Looking back, it's just so clear how God was in every detail of what happened. And so I pulled her out, and I think we were both in shock. And she was barely breathing. And I did what I felt I should do, and she wasn't, it wasn't good. And so we called 911. And as a precaution, she was airlifted to... um, Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital in Orlando. And um, this was like 3.30, I think, that this all happened. And um, they monitored her. And at 9 o'clock the same day, we were being discharged because her lungs 
were clear as a bell, and there was nothing wrong with her. And she's perfect. And there's only one explanation for it. And um, she's happy, and she's herself, and she does not have a fear of water. <laughs> so the, the praises just continue, and she is my living, walking, laughing, breathing testimony. And it's, it's God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Don't you give God a hand? Thank you. Thank you. Praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How are you guys doing? You good? <laughs> oh. We struggle still, but we're getting there. I want to share one thing. Cool. So when we got the call, we were already in Orlando, and we were only 10, 15 minutes away from the hospital. And the first thing that Norman and I did was pray. Norman prayed. And we were on our way. Adam told us to go ahead and head on to the hospital, and thank God we were able to. But, you know, the thing, my default, our default, was our relationship with our Father in yes. Jesus. That was our default. And I'm so thankful that we know Father. And um, so I'm not saying that I didn't have any thoughts or fears in my head, but one thing that I'm so appreciative is Shannon yes. calling me. And it's like he took my shoulders and he's like, he goes, you have authority. You are a pillar. Like he just spoke. And when I got to the hospital, I'm telling you, I had attitude. Like I want to see, like I was so pumped up from Shannon. I'm like, I want to see my granddaughter. Like, I don't know if you can go back there. And I'm like, I gave him that look. I'm like, I'm going back there. And so I was like, I can't even tell you how important it is to have people in your life that can do that. It's important, and how important it is to know your father. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the, the handheld? Okay. Okay. Whoa. Told you I'd have power. <laughs> now, isn't it wonderful? You know, God is so good, but do you know that God is limited by you? I want you to hear that. If you come to this church for any length of time, you will know that God cannot, and I mean that, cannot act independently of you and I. That's why we are the body of Christ. That's why we are the ambassadors of Christ. God does not and cannot operate independently from you. And, it's, and I've touched on this in the last couple of weeks as well. This is why it is absolutely disgustingly demonic that says that God is independent of us here on this earth because it's a disempowering message. It sounds all religious. It sounds all spiritual to say God is in control, but he's not. I, I know I get those, those feelings when, listen to me, I'm not saying that he is not ultimately all-powerful. But he has given the earth to us. He operates through us. And it's, it's so important that we sang it today. We're going we're gonna to shake off the bonds of our religion and our tradition. Because our traditions have made the word of God to no effect. But a lot of Christianity have said, well, God can do anything if he wants to. No, he can't. 
It is up to us to take authority in a situation. It's up to us to put the principles of God into practice. It's up to us to get the word of God in our hearts. And that's what today is about. It really is. So I know that I'm not going to teach on that piece. I'm not going to go ahead and teach on that piece again uh, right now. But it is a powerful truth. We are, I want you to clearly understand, God is the sovereign potentate of all. There is nobody greater than him. That is not, that is an indisputed fact. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But when it comes to operation on earth, he has given the earth to men. He operates through men. He operates through his children. He operates through his ambassadors. And it's so important to get that. And, and like I said, we can, we've taught that many times and many of you um, have, have laid a hold of it. But... Um, we, you know, last week when I was talking about benefits and I, and I, and I said, you know, the, the gifts that God has given us and the benefits that God has given us, healing, for example, or prosperity, which we had been getting. And I encouraged you to go back and to listen to uh, those messages. And, and I, I wanted to, to expand on that a little bit this today because it's not about just listening. It's not about just hearing messages. You can hear a message a hundred times and it not affect you. I'm going to say that again. You can listen to a message a hundred times and it not affect you. There is something else that you have to do for it to affect you. But the powerful truth is that when you get this concept, you become powerful. Because it does put responsibility in your hands, but it gives you the power to act according to his word. So determine right now, close your eyes, won't you, just a second, and determine, Lord, what are you going to do with the word that he speaks to you? Not what Shannon says. What are you going to do with what he says to you? Just determine, Lord, I choose to hear what you have to say. What is the Spirit saying to the church? I choose to hear what you have to say. Amen. I, I, I believe you are, <laughs> you are incredible, Lake Haven. Um, and you who are part of Lake Haven and are watching online, I want you to know, lay hold of what this is because you are incredible. You are born for such a time as this. I'm going to say it again. Grasp this not with your ears, grasp it with your heart. You are his ambassadors. It says this in 1 John chapter 4. It says that in this world, we are like him. In this world, we are like him. And, and so... Um, the, the Word of God, of course, you know, I've touched on the Word of God many times, and we talk about the Logos of God, and I'm not going to go into to that, but Jesus was the Word, the Logos, who came and became flesh. It says it in John chapter 1. And, and, and so He has given us everything, not only for this age, but for the ages to come. He is the ultimate revelation, and everything that we get to, to participate in the Logos is, is his logic, his understanding, his, everything is bound together in one concept. God, who has not changed, who does not change as a shadow of turning, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. Covenants have changed, and covenants are temporary. Except, they were, I mean, the previous covenants are temporary. We are living in now in the new covenant, which is the eternal covenant. And this covenant was written in the blood of Jesus. 
And that's, a, that's another topic, but so it, because of those of you who struggle with the concept of, well, God looks different in Old Testament and New Testament. Yes, He does, because He operates, He looks different because of how He operates under covenant. That's all. But has He changed? No. Emphatically, no. God has never changed. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, the image of the invisible God. We know exactly how God is because we can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at the names of God from, in, right from the Old Testament, etc. You've heard me minister these things. He is the same and He is a consistent whole and He is the Word of God. And God's Word is eternal. It's just so powerful to, to get this. Now, in, I, want to, I want to read this in Acts chapter 20. I'm reading from verse uh, 24. But I do not account my life for of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Don't you love the gospel of the grace of God? It says, and now behold, I know that none of you, uh, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Paul is talking here as he's passing through because he, he knows this is the last time he's going to see them. He says, he, now I love that too, just it's, it talks about proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus spoke the good news of the kingdom. We live in a kingdom. This is, this is we, we are kingdom participants. These are kingdom rules that we abide by. This is not just, we are not just normal, natural humans. When you get born again, you become a child of God and you are delivered from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. It's an interesting study. I don't have it in my notes here. But when you even, when, I know it's a small digression, but when, you, when it's the dominion of darkness and you go and study that word dominion, it is the same word that they use for authority. It's exousia. Do you know that you are being delivered from the authority of darkness? Do you know that people that are trapped, that are not born again, do you know that they actually have no free will that they're aware of? To, well, let me, that's actually not true. They, everybody has a free will, but they are under the dominion of blindness. They are, under the, they are under the authority of darkness. They do not know what it's like to see and be in the light until they are born again. That is why it is ludicrous for us as believers to expect those that are trapped in blindness and darkness to act righteously. If you are expecting people that are unsaved to act righteously, they can't. Sinners sin. I know it's a big revelation. Sinners can't act righteously. That is a powerful truth. And I wish I could, I could literally carry on just on that topic alone. Because I believe the body of Christ is scolding the, dark pe the people trapped in blindness and darkness. And scolding them. We, the church is looking like wagging their finger in the noses of sinners. Telling them to act righteous. Listen, if, any, if a persecution is going to break out because in, in the church. It's going to be because people... Are, are tired of this attitude of the church. I learned this week, do you know how the Romans got rid of their babies that they didn't want? In the day that Jesus didn't say anything about it, by the way. Do you know how he did it? The, how they did it? In, throughout the Roman Empire, if they didn't want a baby, 
They just went down to the city trash pile and throw the babies on the heap. That's historical. Listen to what I'm saying. We are powerful here in America because we've got the power of voting and we have the power of choice. But if you think that you can correct anybody who's in blindness and in sin by pointing your finger in their faces and say, you bad, evil person. Duh. Yes, they are bad, evil people. And guess what? What is the one thing that they can, you can do to them, for them? You can preach the gospel because the gospel will bring light. The gospel will bring love. If you cannot love people from where they're at, what, how does God treat his enemies? He loves them. Who was the greatest enemy of the church in the New Testament? Paul. Saul, as he was named. God knocked him off his horse because he was being prayed for and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He was persecuting the church. I want you to see how God treats his enemies. I digress. But I'm telling you, if we've got to understand how we have got to take the power that we have is the gospel. I'm going to say it again. The power that we have is the gospel. That's why Paul said, and the Paul, the same one who became an apostle that wrote a third of the New Testament, who said, well, at least more than that, he said, he, he, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. It is important that we understand that it is our job to love his enemies. To love them and to give them the gospel is our, is what we've been called to do. Does that mean that we've got to say, oh, thumbs up, that we approve of all their sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Hear me clearly. We don't approve of sin now or ever. We live in a country where we can do something about it. And as I said, we can vote. We can do whatever. We can, there's, thank God for godly leaders, right? Let's pray that God, that we can have godly leaders and make godly decisions and all of those kind of things. But lest we take the attitude that we're going to help God by scolding people and by pointing people's faces and saying, you've got to do right. It's impossible. Once they get translated into the kingdom of his dear son from the dominion of darkness, guess what? Then they can do right. Once they have been delivered and set free. It's an important distinction. Amen. So, so going, going over here, it says, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I'm reading verse uh, 25 here. We'll see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. He says, um, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. In, it's an interesting phrase. He says this phrase, the whole counsel of God. He says, I am innocent of your blood. He says, because I have given you the whole counsel of God. He didn't, so, he, didn't, he didn't just say, hey, listen, guys, there's only one thing that you need to know. You need to know that God loves you. And that is an important foundation that we deal with it in D group. It's an important thing. But there are, is the whole counsel of God. And God does not balance truth with, with untruth. They are just complementary truths. And there are paradoxic, 
paradoxical truths or apparent paradoxical truths that we have to understand or grasp grasp the 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 uh, the wholeness of the, what what it means to have the whole counsel of God because he says I'm not innocent he says I am innocent uh, of the blood of all of you for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God Pray that for me too, that I don't shrink about declaring, that none of us shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. And then listen to this. It says, pay careful attention, verse uh, uh, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. There are twisted men that have arisen in the name of the church. In the name of the church, sadly. There's a lot of people that call themselves the church of God. And how do you and I distinguish what is true and what is a true church from what is not a true church? Absolutely. The word of God. The word of God. That is what we have to do. We have to measure everything. Whether you sit in here or you're flipping or you're reading through a book or you're flipping on the TV. It is your responsibility, child of God. Your responsibility to lay up and to see if it lines up with the whole counsel of God. And there's safety when you're in a body. It is not perfect, but it is safe. If you allow yourselves into fellowship with one another. If you are willing to to fellowship with one another and to share with one another and to express, there is safety. But I tell you what. A lot of these, these, these tangent people have grabbed hold of a truth and made something true. And I've, un- unfortunately, I have, had fr- I have friends amongst that group. I've lived long enough to see many people that were in Bible school with me that are no longer serving God. It is just unfortunate. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that it is important. These things are given for our warning. So he says, he says, again, I'm going to read this. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw disciples away after them. I will tell, I will, I will encourage you, make the determination to go to the word of God. You need to get established in the word of God for yourself. You need to embrace the logos of God's whole wholeness in, in completeness by, with your own journey into discipleship. And we've touched on these things. Now, um, I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3 um, in verse 14. He says this. I'm going to drop down to verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood, he's talking to Timothy here, Paul. He says, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. I'm going to pause that. From childhood, Timothy had been acquainted with the sacred writings. We don't all have that benefit. But Timothy did. Paul didn't. Timothy did. But that's okay. So he says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. And then he says this, all scripture, some scripture? No, 
all scripture is breathed out by God. I love that word because different, different translations use a different word, but it's a, it's a fancy Greek word, one single word called theopneustos, something like that. And it's two words that talks about theo being God, like theology, and pneustos is, is got to be breathed. It is God-breathed. He says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's not actually inspired by God, it's expired by God. It's God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. And listen to this. It's profitable for three things. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now, I've got to go because you guys have been part of Lake Haven Church and you know this. We teach on the love of God is an absolute foundation. Why? Because it gives you a safe place. You know that you are loved constantly. You are never not loved. It's important because when you understand that you are never not loved, you see, because people want to, there's been people in sort of the grace extreme people that say, oh, well, there is no reproof, there is no correction, and there is no training. There's a bit of teaching, but then I can basically pick and choose what I want to hear. I want you to understand there's a big difference between picking and choosing because you think God is graceful, and I'm telling you, it'll get you into trouble. It will get you into trouble if you think that, because you, that's no, no, it's profitable for teaching. Remember, the whole counsel of God, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now, we've touched on this before, but God does not reproof or correct with evil. You know that, but this has been so, this has been a tradition of religion that has been taught so far that if something evil happens to you, or if some, or something happens like Elizabeth experienced this, this, this last couple of days, or, or something like that, you'll think, oh, well, God is trying to teach me something. He's given me the sickness and disease because he's trying to teach me something. Are you kidding me? We go back to Jesus. We go back to his names always. What is his name? Jehovah Rophe. He is the God who heals us. Does, do you see ever Jesus going to anybody and saying, I tell you what, you need a little bit of teaching. I'm going to give you this disease. No. Never. There are no hospitals in heaven. I don't know if you know that. And he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will has never been there for, for, for there to be any kind of disease or sickness that you have to experience. And, and we've heard Carly mention these things a couple of weeks ago. So God never, it's so important to lay hold of the truth that God's teaching and his reproof is not going to come to you through, through, any, through, through other people. I mean, he's not going to, sorry, he's, going to, he's not going to reprove you through evil. He's going to teach us with his word. He's always going to send his word. And that's what he does. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us that God corrects his, his sons um, through his word. And um, I just wanted to... Read so this word um, in the word uh, a, 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 the word for reproof is alechos, a proof by which thing is proved. So he he proves or tests. Well, I mean, he doesn't test you, but but it's a conviction. He 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 uses the word to convict you to bring you to things. Um, Epinorthos, a straightening up again. He corrects you. He straightens your belief system again. It's a correction. It's, it's bringing you back in line. He's going to say, listen, guys, you're not believing straight here. You, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to straighten you up again. 
When God brings his word, he's going to straighten up your belief system if you yield to it. He wants to straighten up how you believe, right? And then padia, this one is a powerful word because often it's been translated in the New Testament with a negative connotation of chastisement. In the King James, often they use the word chastisement. God has never used that word as, as in beating. Chastise does not mean beating you. It means to train up a child in the way he should go. That's what the word padia literally means. It says this, an education in training, it's, it's to help you along. The word chastising is not a negative word. So scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. Um, I, I got a couple of scriptures here that I want to shoot through. In Proverbs chapter 15, it says this, verse 5, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Verse 10, Whoever hates reproof will die. Listen to that. Proverbs says, whoever hates reproof. You see that last bit there? There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Verse 12, the scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Verse, verse 31, the ear that listens to life giving reproof will draw will dwell among the wise whoever ignores instruction despises himself but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence the fear of the lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor well shannon this doesn't sound like a lot of fun you're talking about correction and reproof and chastening and well yes but i want you to see that god's intention is love it will never not be love. It's never not, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I want to drive that point home. It is never going to be evil. God will never use evil. He will never use a circumstance. He will never use a disease. Never. 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 Okay. So, correction is what we want to embrace. God's correction is something we want to open our hands to and say, God, if I need correction, give me some. But because we've had this negative in connection with God, we felt like, I can't dare do that because God's going to send me to Africa or God's going to do something evil to me. No. I'm telling you, God's, if you, that's why the wise love and heed instruction. But our question, you ask yourself, am I, well, am I that well established in the love of God that I know that I know that I know that he loves me? That he wants the best for me. Like or Hebrews 12 says, that, I'm, I, that God only disciplines his sons. And how does he discipline? Words. He speaks words. That's how he disciplines. Now, I really hope to get a lot further today in this. Because it is so powerful when you see... I had said this in the beginning. Um, it, is, it is not when a word is spoken to you. When the word of God, well, let me, put it, let me ask you this quickly. How many of you can, if you closed your eyes or somebody asked you that you had a particular negative experience as a child or in school or sometime in your life that you can clearly remember to this day? 
You can clearly remember it. There was some kind of a, a, a rebuke or a harshness or something was said to you by a teacher, by a parent, by a bully or something like that. And it, it, it's, it, it rings in your ears. You've got a clear memory of it. Anybody? A number of us. Yeah, a bunch of us. Most of us. Do you know why you remember it so well? Because that word germinated. It was conceived. The word spoken found root in your heart. And the problem is that when, when a seed, when a word, any word, any word finds root in your heart, it germinates. And you know that that can limit you because now you have a belief or you have a negative thought. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. You're just a jerk. You're a stupid fool. Negative, negative words that we go back and we go into our life and we believe them. We believe them in our hearts. They find root. So what I'm saying is that that is a negative side, but we, it's just a way of the word, the word the, that seeds and, and the word works. The word doesn't work. Uh, we can use those principles of the, the law of the seed and say, hold on a second. I'm not going to choose to listen to this, those seeds. I'm not going to choose to farm those seeds. and to. I'm going to actually take those seeds out. I'm going to unplant those seeds, and I'm going to plant God's seeds in there. But I'm going to say this again. Just simply listening to the words by pressing play on the recorder. Like I said last week, we've got a podcast. We've got all our, our sermons go through. And, and thank God we have today where you can, you can listen to something again. But it takes more than just listening to something. You've got to be able to allow it to conceive. How do you get seeds to conceive in your heart? That is where we have to understand. We've got to understand the clear purpose of because otherwise, otherwise, like all of us, we can say, oh, well, what it, what, it will be of no benefit to us if we don't let the seed germinate and produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen? So we've, this is the process we've got to understand. It's, it, but if you understand this, then you can garden your heart with power because then there is nothing there is nothing that can stop you from receiving the benefits and the promises of the kingdom. When you understand this principle of the law of the seed. Because a seed, the first law of the seed is that it produces after its own kind. You see, God's word, and, and, and I don't know, we won't have time to go into it today a lot, but God's word, it says, is the seed. And, and, and we can, but, but there is other seeds, like I said, that have been spoken to you. It talks about it throughout the Bible. These being words that have found root in your heart and they are producing limitations in your life. Things that you've believed again. But they don't, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to receive them into your heart, okay? So that's the good news. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go... <laughs> I don't want to go deep into that right now because I feel that this is the powerful thing that we've got to just get today. And in fact, I'm going to ask the band if they will come up. There is, a, there is a powerful truth that we've got to understand. God's word is a seed. In fact, I'm, let, me, let me find this. Luke chapter 8, I'm going to drop down to 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
And in, in, in verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, in the, I'm reading ESV, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is filled and he is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Guys, I want you just to think about that for a second. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. I challenged my kids recently. I just said, look up every scripture in Proverbs that has got these words. Word, speaking, lips, tongue. You'll be amazed at the power that you and I have in our mouths. But he says that, he says that fruit of his, um, it says and again, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I love this in the Message Bible. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. When we understand that there are seeds, there's poison and death and limitations that have been sown to each one of us in our lives. But we can choose what we want to do with those words. They are things that are not true. They are absolutely, and but we have to lay hold of the truth of God's words because Without, without us surrendering, without an intention to say, God, show me, yield to this. I'm telling you, you are in such a safe place. I feel like I need to say it again and again. You are in a safe place. God wants the best for you. Whether, whether you know, when, you know I'm, I do feel this. I've got to say it. Reproof and correction and training in righteousness is good. And it's actually... It might not be pleasant to find out that you have been wrong in something. But that's about as bad as it gets. It's a matter of saying, okay, I haven't believed right about this. That's it. What do you do with that? Will you let the seed of, word, of God's word germinate and find conception in your heart? And we're going to talk about that. After Mary comes, um, after Mary leaves, because we, we're not going to carry on. But I want you to meditate on this, because there are words that God speaks to us, and we've got to find out what He says about us versus what somebody else said about us. When you have a negative thought come up in your heart and mind, and that negative thought says you're insignificant, you're stupid, you're not intelligent, I'm too shy, I can't go to that. When you use the words, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you are declaring the limitations on your life. You have believed, you have trapped beliefs in your heart that are limiting you because God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that's not just a simple, oh, I know that verse, Pastor Shannon. Yes, but do you, is that word got conception in your heart? Have you allowed that word to conceive? What have you believed about that word? You see, so often we hear things, we've heard things so many times. And there, Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you that you help us here. We think we know the word. We think we know the scriptures because we've heard them before. But have we allowed them to germinate? Have we, learned, have we allowed them to grow in our hearts until we've become fully persuaded of them? 
Have we allowed them to reach that place where they are bearing the fruit that they have? Or otherwise, let me tell you, you will experience more of what you have, more of what you've got, more of what you've always received. Is that what you want? Or do you want to take it to another level? Because God has got that. I've said this before. What your future, if you don't allow God's word into your heart, if you don't allow, I'm going to say it very powerfully, listen to this carefully, then your future decisions are already decided. You will use what's in your heart to make exactly the same choices that you're currently making. Every time you face a situation with this programming inside here, you choose a certain way, and you will keep choosing that way. You won't choose differently. When we understand the difference between changing and transformation and understanding how we transform and what we do, you see, changing, it, it takes human effort. Changing says, oh, you know what, you know what, I know, you know how you feel when you go to, sometimes you hear something in, in church and you think, whew, I've just got to try harder. No, you don't. You don't have to try harder. All you need to do is choose what you're going to believe. Who you're going to believe. And I'm talking about when I say believe, I don't mean saying, uh-huh, yeah, heard that. That is not believing. Believing is choosing to let that seed be planted in our hearts. I feel this is such an, a... a um, pressing message on my heart for us, but also for the body of Christ at large. Because so many Christians say, yeah, 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 I believe that. Yeah, God can heal. Yeah, yeah, sure. But do you know that you know that you know that he will heal you every time? We will talk more about that. So the question again that I want to, and we're going to, we're going to, the, 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 the song is a powerful song. Um, that the Lord put on my heart for us and, and for, for the, the band, the worship team have put it together. But who are you going to believe? Voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high? Every load Remind me once again Just who I am Because I need to know Who You say I am love When I can't feel a thing You say I am strong When I think Say I am head when I am falling short. 
Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at your feet You'll have every failure, God You'll have every victory oh, And you say I am love When I can't feel a thing And you say I am strong with fears with anxieties with limitations concerns worries but when we replace those seeds with the seeds that God gives us life comes out of our hearts the Word of God tells us that He sent His Word and healed us. That it's health, life and health to all our flesh. That's not just physical health. It's mental health and wholeness. What we program in our belief system when we believe in our hearts is so critical. So right now, I just, I just speak, if you will yield, will you let go, will you be prepared to let go of those evil seeds that have been planted in you? Just say that to the Lord. Negativities, just, just yield to the Holy Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, I choose choose to yield to what you say, who I am, what I am, whether I feel it or not, I'm loved. It is as simple as that, but it is a continuous work. I want you to know that this isn't a magic prayer. It's not, it's a decision, but it's a work. It's, it's something that you choose to continually yield to because the Holy Spirit will work with you tonight, tomorrow morning. When you have your quiet time, He is going to prompt you. He's going to say, is that what I say? If you let Him. But you see, if you don't let Him, he won't, you won't even hear Him when He tries to prompt you. That is what reproof looks like. It's sweet. 
it's gentle, it's loving, but it's because you are embracing a desire to line up, to straighten out, to get in line with His way of seeing things. Father, I thank you for your great love. Thank you that your love knows no ends, that we are rooted and grounded in your, in your love with the length and breadth and height and depth of it, that we can be filled to all your measure, the measure of you, the fullness of God. We receive that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer today, want to agree with the brother and sister, please come to the front and speak to one of our prayer ministers. If you're online, just text the word prayer to 352-441-3016. It's the number on your screen. Respond to us. Let us get back to you. Let's pray with you. Let's agree with you. And we're going to carry on this because there's some practical ways that we can, we can work through some of these things. And we'll touch on them. Um, in an upcoming message. But just remember, this next Sunday is Mary. So um, you do that. Pray with us this week for this upcoming time. Get your hearts expectant. Yield to align to what he has to say. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 T, is there anything else? We good?